Hello, welcome back to the For Real Zoe podcast with Amanda and Jessica. Hi, everybody. So we, I, I'm going to love this episode because we have another guest speaker and I'm a lifelong learner. I love learning new things. So I have a feeling I'm going to love our guest episodes, maybe more than our regular episodes. But today we have Rochelle with us and she's going to talk to us about Enneagrams. And I'm so excited to learn more about this topic and hear what she has to say about it. Yeah, Rochelle, I, I can't wait to hear all of the um, all of the things that you have done with this program and um, and how you've used this tool and what you have to, to say to our listeners about how they can use this tool. Yeah, yeah. So, Rochelle, if you don't mind, if you can just give us like a little bit about you and your background and share the story, how you got started with doing the Enneagrams program. And I think you do coaching with it, correct? Yes, I do. I do one-on-one coaching, couples coaching, and group um, presentations with the Enneagram. Wow, that's so cool. So just, yeah, just share with us, just kind of share your story, and and we just want to learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm excited to be here, too. This does happen to be my first podcast with the Enneagram, and so this is a new experience, but I'm enjoying it. Um, the Enneagram for me came alive back in spring of 2020 of all times. Um, my husband and I are actually involved in ministry um, here in Superior, Nebraska, a small little town at Harvest Christian Church. And when we came here as um, church revitalizers to this place, um, I knew that I was going to have a major role in a, coming alongside people and loving them well. And I talked to my mentor, I've known her forever in my life, and I said, you know, I'm in middle age now, I don't have time to go back to school and get a counseling degree, nor the money, or, you know, everything's changing with COVID, what do you suggest, what would be the best tool to help people understand who they are and how to grow in a healthy way? Obviously, um, since we're in a ministry setting, we want them to grow in their relationship with the Lord. But I also think, you know, if you're not, there still are several things that you can glean from the Enneagram as far as personal growth. And so she led me to this. And during the spring of 2020, I spent that semester um, in educating, um, getting educated, I guess I should say, on the ins and outs of the Enneagram so that I could become a certified coach and uh, know more about it. Um, so that is kind of the background of how it all came to life for me. Um, and through that process, though, what I found was not only was I learning so that I could teach others, I had to dig really deep inside myself. <laughs> and it was transformational for me to understand why I do what I do, which is the whole purpose of the Enneagram tool. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you feel like you what do you feel like you learned about yourself? Well, there are, the Enneagram stands, it's Ennea means nine, and Graham, it's kind of laid out in a pattern. Um, I don't ha- I wish I could show that over the podcast, but basically you've got nine different personality types, and they're all aligned next to one another. And I happen to be a type eight, and through that, I learned a lot about why I respond and react the way I do to others or what my core motivations are, what my heart's desire is, and why I have the talents and gifts I have. 
But the hardest part was also learning about your weaknesses and why those happen and how you can see that those weaknesses of your personality and how you've been created can actually be harmful. Um, and so growing through that was a whole lot of um, self-awareness, you know, and like coming face to face with my past or with sin or with man, I really hurt that person in the past when I responded in a negative way. So that was um, that was a lot to think and process through. Yeah, yeah we, we, we've talked, Amanda and I have talked on our podcast numerous times about self-awareness and self-growth and um, self-love. We did a whole mini series on that. And so any single tool that any of our listeners can use to enhance their self-learning and their self-awareness so that so that they can um, better, you know, their own their own relationships in life and communication skills is always valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that you initially took started it for, you know, for other people, but then you found out that it was really helpful for you. I love that 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 was the experience because I feel like before you can help other people, you do have to work on yourself first and um, and also understand like what what you're going to be putting them through. You kind of have to put yourself through. Yes, absolutely. And that was the hardest work and the biggest surprise that I had um, going through this, you know, because I was okay, I'm going to use this to help others. And then you had 2020 happen. So you just had a whole range of emotions that spring anyway with the world changing. And so because I was cooped up, it really allowed me that time to for the reflection and to reflect with my mentor and the coaches that were teaching me. Um, and so it was hard work, but it was so worth it. It's been the most rewarding thing I think I have done in my lifetime. I mean, I have a degree in K-12 art from a long time ago, and that's great, but it doesn't hold a candle to the lear lessons learned and the experience that I've had through helping others with this tool. Yeah, and when we talked before this, you had mentioned that it also helped you understand your children and spouse better. Can you talk more about that a little bit and share like what you learned about maybe parenting and your relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you go start through the Enneagram, it, you need to discover it for yourself. And you can't really look at somebody and say, oh, you're a this, you're a that. You know, that's not the point of it at all. So after I learned about this and I could kind of see, and you kind of get a feel for what people are as you're learning, but I had my husband um, come alongside and I'm like, okay, we need to figure you out. And he was like, all right, I'll be your guinea pig, right? And so we did that. But it come to find out we are both eights. He happens to be an eight with a seven wing, and I'm an eight with a nine wing. So we are a little bit different. But being married to somebody who's the same as you presents quite a bit of challenges. But through that process of learning who he was and who I was, and um, we could see the differences in how we relate. He's a little more um, extroverted. I tend to be more introverted. He's the guy who preaches in front of, you know, the crowds and isn't afraid of, you know, talking to people. I'm the one who's one on one. Right. But I can we still are both very driven and aggressive and we like to plow forward. We like, you know, to 
to really um, cheer people on. So that was pretty cool to find out. But it also really showed in how we would communicate, let's say, when there's conflict. <laughs> you know, all marriages kind of have that. And why, um, why we were both so aggressive and heated towards one another. It's like, oh my gosh, we're the same. No wonder, I mean, each personality type has different ways that they relate to one another. And that's a cool layer to the Enneagram to figure out after you know your number. But finding out that we were both more assertive helped us understand when we had conflict or when we would celebrate um, why we communicated the way we did. It allowed us to extend grace to one another, but it also allowed us to have that awareness so that we we're like, oh, I am being way too strong. Time out. I need to, you know, take that deep breath and think and come with more gentle language, have a more gentle posture, have a more gentle attitude towards you as we're discussing this sensitive issue. Yeah, Amanda and I just did a podcast or we recorded a podcast on communication um, in marriage last night. And we talked about how, you know, it's so we talked mostly about love languages and how it's so important to find out your own and your spouse's or your significant other's love language for the purpose of better communicating, right, mm -hmm. with each other and your relationship. But uh, this is definitely another um, facet of learning um, about all of the important people in your lives, what their numbers are, so that you can uh, use it to your advantage when communicating and in a way that reduces conflict, in my opinion. Yes, it's been transformational for us. That part was really healthy to know and kind of to unlock that piece of communication in our marriage. So that has been fantastic. Um, you mentioned, you know, knowing the other people in your life. Um, my husband and I are a blended family. We have six children. I have the oldest three biological and he has the youngest three. And, um, you know, my daughter Zoe, she happens to be the oldest and the only girl. And during the COVID era, she was actually living with us. She had to move back home. And so during that time, she also discovered her Enneagram number and her personality. And knowing your child's number was amazing. It was amazing for her to kind of take a deep breath and to relax and to understand why she does the things she does and why she's wired for certain interests and it was a beautiful, beautiful process walking through that with her. But then, like I say, I have six kids. Knowing that, I've got Zoe's a three. I have um, a son that's a nine. I have a son that's a seven. A son, uh, let's see, Lincoln is my son that we haven't quite figured out yet. We think he might be a counter type, type seven. Um, but once again, rather than telling him, he has to be on that path of discovery. And he's just hasn't had that desire yet. Um, but my little, the one, down from there is a one. His name is Justice. He's a great kid. And he has just eaten this up. And um, my youngest child isn't of age to really go through this discovery process yet. But when we discovered the numbers of the children, and especially that kid that's a one, it changed the way we approached him when he was angry when he was, as we parented him, because we realized for the numbers, they all have specific um, quirks, so to speak, you know, he has a hard inner critic as a one. 
and we found out he really wasn't mad at us or even his siblings, but he was so self-critical of himself, it was causing so much anger. When we discovered that, when he discovered that, and we were able to parent in a way that embraced that, but also coached him up in a whole new way, the tantrums, the anger, the outbursts stopped. And the light bulb went off for me. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, it, it's been wonderful knowing how to encourage and come alongside of our children. Wow, um, Rochelle, that's, that's, that's a powerful story. Um, I, I know having teenagers and adult children and, you know, children all the way down to age of seven in our house, we're a blended family as well. We have seven. Um, communication is so like critical with them and trying to get in as much information to them in as smallest, you know, like in as little words as possible. So they stay focused on what you're saying is so important. But if you can also hone in as a parent and start parenting individually to each individual child, specifically to their needs, and they can be heard at the same time and recognized as the individuals that they are, this is amazing. Like I want to do this with all my kids now. <laughs> yes, yes, you do want to do that with all of the kids. And they kind of recommend, you know, about that teenager age because um, going through adolescence, there's just a lot of happening with hormones and everything else, and they don't necessarily um, all come about of, as far as being aware. And like I say, I still have a kid that's older than the one who understands that he's a one that hasn't really taken those steps yet, and that's okay. He doesn't have to. You know, when he's ready, that, but it does give us some clues as to what, who he is and how to, how to um, approach him, but when they want to discover that and learn for themselves, but then they see and feel the transformation with you as a parent, it's really powerful because it allows that communication and trust to be built. And then they want to talk to you more about stuff, but also you can respond better to them mm -hmm. rather than freaking mm -hmm. out or how exactly. are you going to discipline this child or that child, you know, what motivates their heart? You know, you can talk about it in a language that they understand. Well, what I love is that you take it that next step. And what I'm I'm foreseeing already when you're mentioning this individual um, reprimands or this individual teaching is that one child's going to think they were slighted because you did something for one that you didn't do for them or et cetera, you know, just or vice versa. And I'm I'm thinking that you open up the dialogue with your family um, where you recognize that each child is individual and therefore each child gets treated on their individual basis. And then that opens their world up to the possibility that they have friends and they're all individuals as well. And so maybe they need to pay attention to their individual traits when they're re reacting or, or, you know, interacting with their friends. And then that brings it into the, their adult life where they start recognizing that stuff in their adult world. And it really forces them as you know young adults now 
but then as they go into the world as you know full-grown adults it forces them to um to see the world differently but expands their knowledge base of people in general and their expect expectations will be um, different and all of their communication will be different moving forward because you've brought this into their world right now at this really important stage yeah i can we've seen that with the older children you know the oldest two are in their 20s and we have been able to see that happen with them um, which it's just so rewarding it really is but in a church setting where my husband and i work with 150 people in our circle about you know every week it's nice to be able to look at somebody instead of feeling the conflict and why can't they mm -hmm. see it this way or why do they not appreciate this you know you understand like you say embracing the differences because everybody has a different perspective and that's okay but also that understanding can help us to address stuff on a different level with them rather than you know just forcing um, certain perspectives you can start to understand and explain things in a way that honors their heart and who they are and also helps them to understand okay this is why we're doing things the way we're doing things it's just it just really breaks down a lot of that anger and animosity barrier mm -hmm. and allows for more grace and truth and appreciation of people yeah, yeah. i i agree i agree so Rochelle, to <clears throat> to change the direction, we talked about your family a little bit, but I'm curious since you brought up your church and this is where you use it, how do you use this like professionally when you're doing your coaching or your one-on-one -on -one stuff? Like, what? Tell us like that process of like, is it a journey where some you're helping somebody go through it, or what does that look like when you're working with somebody? That's a great question. What we do to start initially is help somebody discover their number. I obviously explain the Enneagram. Um, some people like that approach, some people don't. Sometimes we go um, to spiritual gifts in a, using a different methodology in church um, as well. But the Enneagram I coach here at church is only from the gospel perspective. And that's um, how I was coached in it. And so what we try to do here is help people understand how Jesus and the Bible intersect the created you and intersect what you're doing and why you're doing it and what your true gifts are and what your calling is in Christ. So that on, is what I use it most for here in church is helping people to discover their gifts, to use it and to um, be great disciples and Christ followers. Um, so that's, that in a nutshell, but everybody starts somewhere. So, you know, most people are like, what is the Enneagram? We usually have to start with that. Then it's, okay, now you've got these nine numbers. Well, what am I? How do I know that? So then we go through a process of talking about all the different um, core desires, core fears um, that each type has. Um, there's core desires. Let me see here. Sorry, I'm gonna grab. Uh, something that I've got real quick, but it's core fears, core desires, your core weaknesses, and your core longings. Those four areas are where we start to focus because all of those areas help us understand why we do what we do. So there's the positive things, of course, like your core desires and your core longing. 
that you are just wired with when you're born. That's part of how you're wired. And then there's also the kind of negative side. What are those core fears and core weaknesses that are also part of your personality? So there's a, you know, there's a positive side, but we also have to understand the weak side of that. And so we help people go through that. I usually take about five sessions with people. Some people I've met with for over a year because we just have so much fun with the Enneagram <laughs> and life that we go a whole lot deeper and they want to know, know more. But really, once you understand why you do what you do and um, who you are, and that can take time, then we're able to dive into that you know, understanding your wings. Okay, are for example, are you an eight with a seven wing or are you an eight with a nine wing? Well, then you have to know a little bit more about all the other numbers in order to know that. So then you start looking at that. But then there's also parts when you're under stress, you're going to move um, towards a different number. There's Those are called lines and arrows. And I wish, like I say, this doesn't allow us to have a whiteboard and for me to draw this out for people. But for example, if um, you know a number is under stress, for me it's a, uh, let me see here. When I'm under stress, I'm gonna move to the positive, the negative side of a certain number. When I'm under having growth, I'm gonna move to a positive side of another number. And understanding those aspects and when you're under stress or when you're having growth, that also helps you to, to discover more about who you are you kind of get to look at the past and see when that's played out. We also talk about the childhood messages of each number. And then we talk about, okay, so based on that, what have we learned and how can we recognize when these things are happening so that we can move forward in a positive way with others and in our life. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. That, yeah, it sounds like a, a a way to guide somebody through a personal growth uh, journey, but just using this as the process. So, so Rochelle, is it a one-on-one -on -one sort of thing? Someone hires you and there's a certain number of sessions, or are you doing this to an entire group of people all at once? It just depends. Um, if I'm going outside of the church and doing a session, that'll be something where I'm hired. Most of the time when I'm working in the church, that's something that's kind of considered as part of my job. And so when my people here from church come, that's just kind of a normal part of what we do as part of discovering who we are in Christ. But then if somebody wants some help outside of church, yes, then there is some cost and um, per session. And like I say, I usually try to keep it about five sessions. There's no limit to that, um, like hard limit. But after about five, you should kind of be able to take it and run with it if you so choose. And then some, like I say, they want to keep processing. They want to keep processing life and growing, and that's absolutely awesome. And so I can continue on as much as we need to. Um, couples is something that we do a lot, obviously, with premarital counseling and marriages. Couples is where I meet with people I would say probably 50% of the time, I have about as many couples as I do individuals. And simply for the aspect of understanding yourself, but then understanding your spouse. And when we go through that, like we said earlier, that communication is unlocked and that understanding is um, 
wonderful so that they can grow in a positive way and not have, you know, negativity when they have conflict. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would help with the relationship for sure. Oh, yeah, this is I mean, this is just opening my own eyes up to yet another tool that couples and families can use to really just come closer together and be more understanding about each other. So um, I guess my next question, Rochelle, Amanda brought this to my attention last week because we knew that we were already going to be doing this podcast, but she found a, um, a post on social media and it was an individual, that's not what's important, but they were stating that they believed that Enneagrams and other things, they listed a numerous amount of things, horoscopes and all that jazz, um, were all evil. They were anti-Christ, they were anti-Bible, and they were evil, and no one should engage in those. What do you have to say to those people? Yes, um, that can tend to be polarizing. The Enneagram is, can be controversial. Um, you know, as we look in the Bible, you don't ever see the Enneagram mentioned, right? So it's not like there's a hard, like, oh, yes, this is a Christ. But, you know, as psychology has evolved and developed, through the ages, this is just another one of those tools that we can use that help unlock how we were created, how we're made, and how we can um, respond to others in a godly way. Um, if you go back to the origins of the Enneagram, that's where people tend to get all hooked up because it is, uh, it's not really evil. It's just the way that it looks as it's laid out. Sometimes people can over, what's the word I'm looking for? They get a little bit hyped up about the symbolism in the structure of the Enneagram being laid out and the way that it is displayed with the lines. Um, one of the ways that I would rather think of it is rather than thinking of it as that symbol, if we think of each individual type on its own and each one being a reflection of Christ in the way that he created you, just like we all have different spiritual gifts. We, I mean, you, all three of us here on this podcast today are wired differently. We look differently. We have different interests. We have different um, struggles. And that's we reflect certain things to the world and when we understand that we reflect that no matter whether it's through the Enneagram or not okay I mean there's lots of psychological tools out there um, you know ITNF and J or whatever those are with the numbers you know back in the 80s it was like you were sanguine and melancholy and all these different uh, types there's just lots of different personality tools out there. And if you think of this as just a tool to help you understand how you're wired psychologically, I think, um, you know, you really can't, I don't see it as being evil. It's not necessarily completely biblical because the Bible really doesn't talk about the Enneagram. However, you can apply the biblical principles that are found in scripture to how you're wired and how you're gifted and how God gifted you from the beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. 
Could you tell us, though, a little bit about where this information comes from? What is the origin of the Enneagram um, in respect to the different, why is it nine different personality types and where did all of them fit in and like, how did that come about? How did that come about? Okay. Let me see if we can get to that. Um, when I learned about this from my mentor, I was a little bit skeptical. And she had talked to me a little bit about this. There are some um, Enneagram experts, uh, Susan Stable, Ian Crone, some of those that are very good. Um, there happens to be a great guy in Omaha. You might have to cut this part because I wasn't quite prepared for this. <laughs> so I'm just saying you might have to. Is that okay to say? Oh, yeah, that's um, okay. Let me, you... find, let me find. I don't want to not um, get his name right. He is fantastic. So I'm going to see if I can find him real quick. His. Um, I'm going to come back to this. So you guys, like I say, you might have to clip this back in. He actually has a thing when you talked about. Um, how does this work? And the, his whole point is the gospel for the Enneagram. And he does a much better job than I do as explaining the ins and outs of the um, religiosity or whatever you want to say, the origins of it and how to go through that. And I want to make sure I get him. It's okay. If you don't have that information in front of mind, we, we, we can, we can look that up and talk about it later. Um, yeah. If, if somebody wasn't sure about Enneagrams or really has never done it or looked into it, what would you say to the, that kind of person that is new to it? Why would they want to? I know you've already kind of expressed some reasons why, but what, what do you say to somebody that's new to it that's coming up to you and saying, I don't really understand it. What, why, why would I do something like this? Well, you, typically what we'll do is um, just sit down and look through a basic understanding of what the Enneagram is and showing them the Enneagram laid out in its form and talking about how it can be transformational as far as understanding who you are and becoming aware. Um, and some are okay with that and some, you know, just aren't. And I try to embrace that because some people it takes a while to warm up to the idea of understanding who they are. But sometimes the animosity towards it is truly like, yeah, I really believe it's evil and I'm gonna look into it and it's all awful. And if you look on the internet, you're gonna find everything. Right? You're gonna find those who are saying this is absolutely awful. You're gonna have those that are saying, oh, this is great. You have both ends of the spectrum, okay? But um, when you're looking at that, I usually tell people, you know, go ahead and look at the origins, look at the stuff, look and see how it is, um, imp has impacted people from both sides. There's a great book called Should Christians Use the Enneagram? And it's by Amy Wicks. And that is another great resource that I use when people have questions about it as far as using the Enneagram integrated with faith. And then uh, Tyler Zach there in Omaha he has the gospel for the Enneagram, and um, he's fantastic and has spoken with Susan Stable and some of the others on, and, um, on his platform and, uh, that he does that helps to explain how powerful this tool can be and that you don't have to just look back to the 
origins of whoever created this. But you have to be careful. You know, in the wrong setting, it could be harmful if you're just out there kind of floundering around with it and you're not being coached or if you're not truly aware of who you are. And not everybody is. Not everybody's ready to understand that. So if you think you're one number and you're actually another and you go down the path of not having somebody help you become aware of truly how you're wired, it can really mess with you. You know, so it can be dangerous if it's not taken in a biblical context with a coach who help, or in, from our standpoint in a church, right? Biblical context with a coach and making sure that you understand it in the right light. Um, yes, it can be used outside of the church and in a more secular setting. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question, Rochelle, was what about our listeners who aren't um, faith based or they aren't affiliated with um, the Bible or any sort of church? Um, are, is this something still that can be used effectively um, for them in their lives? Absolutely. Yes, I think the principles of the Enneagram are applicable across the board. Um, they don't have to have the biblical application. They can obviously grow tons just learning about how they are created, why they do what they do, how um, things in their past that have, you know, helped form, form them and so on and so forth, or like how you're going to communicate in relationships. Uh, for example, like my mother, uh, and I have done this together and I was able to kind of extend more grace understanding she was a nine and she wasn't just being stubborn on purpose. It's part of it's ingrained in her. Right. <laughs> and that's cool. And that's wonderful. But also like there's times when we will butt heads and understanding, okay, this is why we did this because she we're seeing differently on the same issue, but we really just needed to extend grace to one another um, at, you know, those relationships outside of just marriages and families, um, maybe with your mother, maybe with coworkers. And that's where I'm getting ready to do something um, with a bunch of hairdressers actually there in Omaha. They're gonna have a thing and they wanna be a better team. And we are not gonna hit it from a biblical perspective at all, but we're gonna help them to understand how they're wired so that they can have more grace and understanding with one another and appreciation for one another as they're in their workplace. I love that you're working with big companies and you're doing this on a bigger scale um, in order to get employees or, you know, fellow coworkers closer together. Um, and, and I just I, I keep going back in my head as I'm listening to the grace thing, the grace thing, because it seems like ever since 2020, grace has gone out the window um, with people. And that goes in, includes family members. And I feel like this is something that our whole population really needs to use to come back together or one of the tools that we can use that can bring us back together in a place that we used to be where we did take into consideration individuals and personalities and give grace when it was, you know, warranted. Yes, for sure. I mean, we just need to love one another well, and it's been so polarizing. I think 2020 just really, like you say, enhanced that. And instead of being polarizing and hating or taking sides, just 
love one another well? Can we just, you know, and appreciate each human being for their differences? I love that. Love one another well. I love it. Not just love one another, just love them well. And that involves education. <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> yeah. So what else do you feel like is important for listeners to know about or maybe any misconceptions or thoughts about things or or anything else that you want to share about the Enneagram? I would have to say that I just long for everybody to have an awareness of who they are so that they can be the best person that they can be while they have their time here on earth. And whatever that may be, I just long for that, that it really is my heart's desire so that Others just know and can live a life in freedom, knowing that they were created for a plan and a purpose, whatever that may be, and that they can pursue that and walk that out and um, enjoy wonderful relationships along the way. I yeah, love that. I think that's I our, our mission, too, is to encourage people to, you know, work on themselves and live their best life and be happy and that it is possible, but it may take a little work, but it's all worth it. Rochelle, um, one more question. If if our, one of our listeners wants to do what you do and is really, really excited about this, um, what would you suggest um, would be the best place for them to go to get the most information or to become trained or certified? I keep seeing this thing, the Enneagram Institute pop up. Um, mm -hmm. Is that where you went to get your education? That is a very good one, and that is um, very popular. Um, I did not. I went through an area called yourenneagramcoach.com, and I can send a link to that so that others can know how to get involved if they so want to take that next step. Um, the reason I did that is because it was a faith-based coaching, and where I work at a church, it was really important to have that foundation. So that's why I went through that. So you know, I can always, for lack of a better term, water it down and mm -hmm. not have the faith-based aspect of it. But because um, you know, here where I work, they believe that that's important. I needed to have that um, gotcha. training from that perspective. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming today and sharing with our audience what you do um, and how it, you know, it can improve society as a whole. <laughs> yeah, I think I learned. I mean, for me, I I enjoy it, but I didn't take it to that next level of realizing how much it could impact your relationships and the way you interact with other people. I looked at it more as like a personal thing of understanding yourself better. But I think that it can be huge in in the way you engage and understand other people and I love that you shared that your story and then yeah just how it can really be, make an impact in your life yes I am so excited about that aspect of it as well that's been the best reward is it's not it wasn't just for me but seeing the impact it has and the gift that it's been to give to others exactly exactly that's 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 what makes it all worth it, right? You finally have moved into a place in your life where you are giving back and you're able to make a living off of it. And that is that is the best career, whatever that looks like. That's the best career choice for anybody these days. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle, for joining us. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you on the next one. But until then, we want you to shine bright. And stay real and be authentic. What is it? Oh, my gosh. We never get this right. We have a tagline, and we never get it right. It's shine bright, be authentic, stay real. And either I mess it up or she does every time.